0: Dinner is a time to connect. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Now, I'm not a seasoned chef but easy-to-follow recipes and pre-portioned ingredients from Blue Apron help me create a restaurant-quality dinner the whole family will enjoy. The menu is flexible. Customize recipes based on your preferences. Blue Apron has dishes like seared steaks and garlic butter with oven fries and romaine salad, or roasted chicken and fall vegetables with cranberry and ginger compote. See for yourself why Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Take $30 off your first order, plus free shipping when you visit BlueApron.com slash AlreadyGone. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's BlueApron.com slash AlreadyGone. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. You are listening to the Already Gone Podcast, sharing stories of the missing, the murdered, the mysterious, and the lost. Before we get into the story, a reminder for listeners: this episode covers the murder of an entire family. We've covered cases like this previously: the Bennett family in Aurora, Colorado, from 1984; the Robinson family in Northern Michigan in 1968. Today's story finds us in the Detroit area, the city of Livonia, a bedroom community with a reputation for being a safe place to raise your kids. It's in this quiet city that the Pesci family is targeted by the worst sort of predator. Come with me to December 2002, in the days leading up to Christmas, when a nightmare disguised as a delivery man brought terror to the city. Destroying a family, rattling a community, and leaving an indelible mark on those touched by this crime. In the summer of 2002, John Wolfenbarger was 31 years old and a recent parolee. He'd just served eight years for armed robbery and was back on the street. Wolfenbarger wasn't interested in a real job, or in going straight. He was looking for the next score, the next heist. He had a vehicle, an old dark colored minivan, and he had a lady. He was crashing at her house in Redford. Wolfenberger was a free man, but it wasn't the lifestyle he envisioned for himself. He wanted money and for people to respect him. When the holiday shopping frenzy of December started, he couldn't stop thinking about all the cash and valuables at stores, particularly jewelry stores. He got an idea. Wolfenbarger wanted to rob a jeweler and make off with cash and their expensive merchandise. Wolfenbarger reached out to an old pal from prison, a 27-year-old named Dennis Lincoln. Lincoln lived up near Flint, about 65 miles or 104 kilometers north of Detroit's western suburbs. Dennis Lincoln was another recent parolee. He'd been released in early 2002 and was working a regular job at the Great Lakes Crossing shopping mall in Auburn Hills. Lincoln also wanted money, respect, and nice things, but he was willing to work for them. The two talked, and eventually, they set their sights on Livonia Mall. Now, I find this mall an odd choice, because even back in 2002, the mall was struggling it's unlikely that a jewelry store in that location would be bustling. Livonia Mall opened in the early 1960s with a Kresge and a Sears store as anchors. Livonia Mall boasted a huge Sears store, complete with an auto repair center. So as Lincoln and Wolfenberger were eyeing jewelry stores in the mall, trying to find a potential target, they even found someone that they tried to follow home, a store owner, Because they were going to rob him, but they lost him in traffic. So they decided to try somewhere else for a victim. And they found someone just down Seven Mile. I'd like to know how they selected Italia Jewelers. It was two miles west of the mall, located in a strip mall on the south side of Seven Mile across from a Kmart store. Even today, this strip mall is modest and unassuming. The pair decided that it would be an easier spot to stake out, and they began watching Italia Jewelers until they identified the owner, 38-year-old Marco Pesci. Pesci had thick dark hair and drove an expensive SUV, making him easy to spot. As the two sat in the parking lot watching the store, they talked and plotted, and within days, their plan was set in motion. A plan that would lead to the deaths of five people, including three children. Pesci is the proud father of three kids, his son Carlo, who was 12, and he had two daughters, Sabrina and Melissa, who were nine and six years old. Pesci had recently divorced his wife, Diane, and years leading up to their divorce, Diane struggled with drug addiction. Livonia police officers had arrested her previously for possession of drug paraphernalia. Pesci first files for divorce in April of 1998 and again in September of 2000, before a final filing in October of 2001. During the proceedings, Diane fought her husband for custody of the children, saying that she was in recovery. Newspaper stories share that Diane Pesci had a history of using crack cocaine and had taken the children with her to seedy areas where she purchased drugs. Marco Pesci was increasingly concerned not only for his wife's health, but for his children's safety. Diane taking the children with her to drug houses was the last straw, and he files for divorce for a third and final time. And while Diane and Marco share custody of the children, their divorce decree stated that they must live with their father until they are 18 years old. The Pesci's divorce is finalized in April of 2002. The three Pesci children are students at St. Michael's Catholic School in Livonia, and the family attends Mass there each Sunday. In December of 2002, Diane Pesci is participating in a residential drug treatment program in the Ann Arbor area. Now, December is the busiest time of year for any retailer, and Italia Jewelers is no exception. As Marco is engaged at work and his former wife is hospitalized, he wants the children to have a lovely and memorable holiday, despite his hectic work schedule and the absence of their mother. And so Marco's mother, Maria Vergati, flies in from Italy to spend the holiday with her son and grandchildren. I'm sure she was also planning a traditional Italian dinner for the family to enjoy on the holiday. Late morning on Saturday, December 21st, Not knowing that he and his three children have only hours left to live, Marco and the kids make a 30-minute drive to Ann Arbor. He's taking them to visit their mother. Diane is staying at an inpatient facility, and Marco hopes that a visit between the kids and their mom will help everyone feel better about spending the holiday apart. During the visit, he tells Diane that she is welcome at the house any time to visit the children. He says, quote, the house is open. It's your house. Now, the visit was a bit of a hardship for Marco. It's the Saturday before Christmas, likely one of his busiest days of the year. But he knew that family was important and wanted his kids to see their mother. So once the visit is complete, he returns the children to the family home on St. Martin Street. Pashi does not escort them into the house. He parks in the driveway, and the children hop out and race inside. They're probably thinking about dinner. It's about five thirty p.m. Once they're inside, Marco backs down the driveway and returns to the store. There is work to be done, and the Pesci family has less than two hours to live. If you are familiar with Livonia, Saint Martin is one of those streets that cuts east to west across the entire city, but it makes many stops and starts. The Pesci home was located off of Newburg Road at the west end of town. And it would have taken Pesci only a few minutes to drive from home to the shop at Seven Mile in Farmington. Pesci owned that entire strip mall. He'd purchased it, remodeled it, and moved his jewelry business into the strip. When he arrives at Italia Jewelry, he's eager to check in with his staff and see how the day is progressing. He isn't at the store for more than five minutes before he receives a call from his son, Carlo. Carlo is upset. He asks his father to return home, saying that Melissa, the six-year-old, is hurt. When Marco inquires as to the state of her injuries, Carlo tells him that she fell and broke her tooth. At 6.15 p.m., Marco leaves Italia Jewelers for the last time. He gets behind the wheel of his SUV and heads west on Seven Mile Road, a dutiful father concerned about his children. While Marco was in Ann Arbor with his children and former wife, Lincoln and Wolfenbarger set their plan in motion. They intended to find a way into the Pesci home so they could rob them, including taking their jewelry and any cash or valuables on hand. The pair decides that Wolfenbarger, who is white, would pose as a delivery man and get inside the house. Meanwhile, Dennis Lincoln, who is black, will wait in the parked car, advising Wolfenbarger by cell phone of any developments. In preparation for the robbery, Wolfenbarger bought a clipboard and receipts to make his delivery man persona seem legitimate. On the afternoon of December 21st, Lincoln drove him to the Pesci's house, and Wolfenbarger exited the vehicle with a teddy bear under his arm, acting as though it was a gift for one of the Pesci children. As he walks up the long driveway, 68-year-old Maria Vergati is in the attached garage. The overhead door is open, and she's tidying up the space. Wolfenbarger convinces her to let him into the house. Lincoln is across from the jewelry store, sitting watch in a pickup truck that Wolfenbarger borrowed from a friend for the robbery. According to Lincoln, when he arrived on St. Martin's, he parked a few houses down from the Pesci home. It's just after 7 p.m. when Wolfenbarger walks out of the house and enters the borrowed pickup truck with Lincoln at the wheel. Wolfenbarger directs him to drive, and he obliges, and they exit the neighborhood, headed for a friend's place in Detroit. Eager for his share of the take, Lincoln wants to see their haul. Wolfenbarger shows him the cash and the jewelry and then remarks, Five dead, bro. At 7.15, a call is placed from Italia Jewelry to the Pesci home, but there's no answer. The family, three generations... Mother, son, and grandchildren. They're dead. Pesci and his three children were lined up in the basement of the home and shot execution style, their bodies waiting silently and patiently for discovery. Pesci's mother, Maria Vergani, was shot in the living room. Her body sprawled across the floor. It's December in Michigan, and homes are closed up against the cold. The Pesci house, like other homes on this stretch of St. Martin Street, is set back from the road— and at least 50 feet from the neighbors' homes. It's unlikely that anyone heard the shots from Wolfenbarger's gun that evening. On Sunday, a visitor to the Pesci home discovers the carnage left behind. Livonia police respond. It's been a challenging year for the city, a shooting in July where two restaurant workers were shot and killed, and the month of December started with two men being shot outside a bowling alley on the city's south side. Now, Livonia police have seen violence, and they've seen tragedy. The city averages one or two murders a year, but they've not seen anything like this, and I would imagine that there aren't a lot of first responders who will face a scene as horrific as this one. On Sunday, all the detectives in Livonia are called in to work on the case. Vacations are canceled, and the focus of the department is finding the person or persons responsible for this horrific crime. After the robbery and execution of the Peshi family, Wolfenbarger and Lincoln head to Detroit, stopping at a home in the city to clean the jewelry they stole from the Peshi house and prepare it to be melted down. Wolfenbarger hands half of the $3,200 he'd stolen over to Lincoln. That night, John Wolfenbarger shows some of the jewelry he'd stolen to his uncle, William Smith, Crime appears to be the family business as Smith is reputed to be the leader of a Detroit area motorcycle gang, the Devil's Disciples. While Wolfenbarger was cagey about exactly where he'd obtained the loot, Smith learns of the murders in the paper on Monday and connects the dots. Disgusted by the unnecessary brutality of the crime, Smith phones a contact of his in the Dearborn Police Department and turns in his nephew. William Smith could not abide by the fact that three children were killed during the robbery, and he wants no part of his nephew or his crimes. The Dearborn detective connects William Smith with Livonia Police, and the story behind the murder begins to unfold. On Christmas Eve, police raid the Detroit home where Wolfenbarger and Lincoln are staying. They find much of the stolen jewelry, including Marco Pesci's watch. Wolfenbarger had taken it from Pesci's wrist just before shooting him. Police also find melted gold, diamonds, gemstones, and other items taken from the Pesci home. It's more than enough to connect the two men to the brutal murders on St. Martin Street. The two men are taken into custody and mirandized. Dennis Lincoln is quiet at first. You see, he thinks he can lawyer up and get out of the jam that he's in. As Livonia PD explains the facts that they have, the witnesses who have spoken about his involvement with Wolfenbarger Suddenly, Lincoln wants to talk, and he wants to distance himself from the five execution-style murders that took place that night. His cooperation doesn't help him. Dennis Lincoln participated in the planning and execution of the robbery and murder, making his accountability the same as that of John Wolfenbarger, who people believe to be the trigger man. Lincoln tells police all he did was drive Wolfenbarger around— He didn't enter the house, he wasn't carrying a gun, and he was not a party to the execution-style murders of Maria Vergati, Marco Pesci, and the three young children. Meanwhile, Wolfenbarger isn't talking, and when he does speak, it's to insist that he's not involved and that the perpetrator is his uncle, William Smith, better known as Billy Smith, the person who turned Wolfenbarger in to the authorities. But there are too many witnesses, too many people in Wolfenbarger's world coming forward. They saw him with the jewelry. They saw him with the money. They know where he stashed the murder weapon. The evidence against John Wolfenbarger is overwhelming. Wayne County Prosecutor Mike Dugan handles the case. Dugan's son is a classmate of Sabrina Pesci. He tells the press that he had to explain to his son that he lost one of his classmates over the holidays. If Mike Dugan's name is familiar to you, he's the current mayor of the city of Detroit, and his name came up in Episode 75, Murder at Empress Garden. Livonia's longtime mayor, Jack Kirksey, tells the press, quote, This is the worst crime that has ever happened in Livonia. And Kirksey isn't the only one taken aback by the violence and horror visited on the Pesci family. The Jewelry Security Alliance called the killings, quote, the worst crime in the U.S. jewelry industry in a generation. In a December 30th, 2002 article, one of the trade magazines, Professional Jeweler, reported that while at home incidents are rare, happening only two or three times a year in the United States, they are usually a robbery without a homicide. And in most cases, the jewelers are forced to go back to their business where they rob the store's inventory. They encourage jewelers to vary their route home from work, not open the door to unexpected visitors, keep a cell phone nearby, and instruct visitors to their home to never open the door to strangers. The article even suggested that a code word be used among family members to warn of trouble at home. Unfortunately, I don't know if any of these suggestions would have saved the Pesci family that afternoon. Maria Vergatti was intercepted while working in the open garage of the home. Before we take a look at our perpetrators, let's have a word from our sponsor. CanvasPeople.com is an easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that takes your favorite pictures and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy. When I first learned of CanvasPeople.com, I sent in a photo from my wedding, and they returned a beautiful photo canvas for me to display. Join the millions of HappyCanvasPeople.com customers today. Send your favorite image and receive a high-quality canvas made in the USA with fast shipping. Remember, Canvas People is perfect for the holidays. Visit CanvasPeople.com and enter code GONE at checkout to receive a free 11 by 14 canvas. You just pay shipping. That's a savings of $69.99. That's CanvasPeople.com, promo code GONE. When we look back at these two, a picture emerges of two men who have already spent a large portion of their life behind bars. John Wolfenbarger received attention from the press with a series of home invasions in Wayne County, many of these taking place when residents were inside the home during the break-in. He stole cash and jewelry from his victims. And while he's in prison, he escapes in a sentence to additional time. Wolfenbarger is released from prison in August of 2002. Dennis Lincoln doesn't have a long rap sheet. He met Wolfenbarger in prison. Lincoln had received a 6-20 to year sentence for assault with intent to rob while armed. He was sentenced up in Genesee County, near Flint, and served nine years. Upon his release in February of 2002, Lincoln got a job at the Great Lakes Crossing shopping mall in Auburn Hills. He worked at the information desk you may have talked to him. On December 27th, Wolfenbarger and Lincoln are arraigned via closed-circuit television from the Livonia City Jail. There is a laundry list of charges against each man, and Judge Robert Brzezinski reads each one aloud. Charges include five counts each of premeditated murder, five counts each of armed robbery, one count each of home invasion, felon in possession of a firearm, and felony firearm The judge enters innocent pleas for each man and ordered them held without bond. On Monday, December 30th, a funeral is held for the Pesci family. Their parish, St. Michael's, isn't large enough to accommodate the funeral. Services are held instead at Northridge Church in Plymouth. The non-denominational church has opened its doors to other large-scale funerals in the past, including the December 1998 funeral of Detroit police officer Sean Bandy, who was killed in the line of duty. As an aside, I am touched by the kindness of this church to open their doors to the community in times of need. Northridge, which seats more than 2,000 people and has a parking lot with over 1,200 spaces, they have a team that helps coordinate these proceedings. Outside of Northridge, five hearses are lined up. Inside the church, there's a row of caskets. The eulogy was given by the children's uncle, Mike Allen. Each child's casket had a special touch from friends and family. Carlos had a copy of a Harry Potter book and a small figurine of the wizard. The girls' caskets were adorned with teddy bears. There was no missing that these children were cherished and loved. The Pesci family is buried at Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Southfield. In January, both men are bound over for trial in Wayne County, When the trial begins in April of 2003, it's a quiet affair. No one wants to reflect too deeply on this horrific case. Wolfenbarger and Lincoln are tried simultaneously with separate juries. John's uncle, Billy Smith, and his uncle's wife, Marjorie, both testify against him, saying that John bragged about his involvement in the crimes, boasting it would, quote, "...make CNN." A bartender from the club that Billy Smith owns testifies that Wolfenbarger was asking about how to melt gold, and that he later saw Wolfenbarger with a special torch in his minivan, one powerful enough to melt the gold down. The news is once again drawn to court when Wolfenbarger's attorney collapses on April 5th, suffering a mild heart attack in the courtroom, delaying proceedings. By April 13th, the trial is complete, and the case goes to the jurors. Lincoln's attorney makes a case for his client's lesser culpability. Lincoln didn't pull the trigger. He wasn't even aware of what transpired in the house until Wolfenbarger casually informed him, "Five five dead, bro. Wolfenbarger and Lincoln are each found guilty of first-degree murder, and Wayne County Circuit Court Judge Daniel Ryan hands down six sentences of life without parole for the murders of the Pesci family— and a six-life sentence for a habitual felon in possession of a firearm for Wolfenbarger. Lincoln receives five life sentences without parole for his involvement in the murders. John Wolfenbarger has loudly protested his innocence. His stance is that his uncle, Billy Smith, who was working as a police informant against his own motorcycle gang, the Devil's Disciples, is the person who robbed and murdered the Pesci family that evening in December of 2002. In June of 2003, the remaining items from the Pesci Home and Italia Jewelers are sold at auction. In the years since the murders and the trial, Wolfenbarger has created a website to protest his innocence and states, quote, If you are the media, a cop, or a nosy person who believes I will respond to you, don't waste your time. This leaves me wondering who he hopes to communicate with via this website. Wolfenbarger's uncle, Billy Smith, continued to work as an informant and is now living a quiet life in an undisclosed location. Dennis Lincoln remains incarcerated at the Harris Correctional Facility in Adrian, Michigan. He has not denied his or John Wolfenbarger's involvement in the murders. In the 14 years since his incarceration, Wolfenbarger got married in prison and resides at the Lakeland Correctional Facility in In the 15 years since this terrible crime occurred, there have been a lot of changes in Livonia. Mayor Kirksey retired in 2015 at age 87 after decades of service to the community. Wayne County Prosecutor Mike Dugan, who handled this case, he stepped down from the prosecutor's office in 2004 to take over the top spot at the Detroit Medical Center. And in 2012, Dugan moved to the city of Detroit so he could run for mayor. Because of a filing error, Dugan's name could not be placed on the primary ballot in the city of Detroit, so he launched an aggressive write-in campaign that August. He won 52% of the primary vote and faced off against former top cop Benny Napoleon. Dugan won the election, receiving 55% of the vote and becoming Detroit's first white mayor in almost 40 years. Livonia Mall, where Lincoln and Wolfenbarger first staked out a victim for this crime, closed in 2008, and in the last several years, the space transformed into a new shopping area. The Sears store remains, but the mall was demolished to make way for a Kohl's and a Walmart. The strip mall owned by Marco Pesci at the southwest corner of Seven Mile and Farmington, the strip that housed Italia Jewelers, is still there. But the Kmart store across the street where Wolfenbarger and Lincoln parked to watch the comings and goings has since closed, leaving a large vacant commercial property in its wake. Livonia Police Sergeant Benjamin McDermott was head of the Detective Bureau in 2002 when the murders took place, and he is now Deputy Chief of Livonia Police. He was kind enough to speak with me about this case, but be aware that any errors contained in this episode belong to me. If you have comments, questions, or feedback about the show, please email me, host at com. You can find me on Twitter at alreadygonepod. The show is on Facebook, and we have a discussion group that you can join if you'd like to discuss the cases covered here. If you have not had a chance to review the show, please take time to rate and review and subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Ratings and subscriptions help other listeners find the stories shared here. Please support the show by visiting our sponsors, CanvasPeople.com. It makes a great gift. Visit CanvasPeople.com and enter code GONE at checkout to receive a free 11 by 14 canvas. You just pay shipping. That's a savings of 69.99. That's CanvasPeople.com. Promo code GONE. Also, see for yourself why Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Take $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you visit blueapron.com slash already gone. That's blueapron.com slash already gone. I'm Nina instead, the writer, producer, and voice behind the already gone podcast. I thank you for listening and please be safe.